Geek Top 5 Quarantine Edition. Yay! It was time now. There was was all the time I needed. Geek Top 5. I'm Jesse. I'm Graham. And we've got an adorable episode here for you today. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> come on, you know it is. <laughs> We can be men and still acknowledge the joys of family. Uh, well, you guys can. I'm going to be, again, sort of the Judge Jesse on this one, but we'll work it out. I've uh, got some friends in the studio with us uh, to hit the kind of thing that, well, heck, I don't need to do the introductions. Graham, let us know what's going on today. Well, how about we introduce ourselves based on our volume of children? So, Jesse, you go first. Yeah, that uh, I'm Jesse. I'm Baron. <laughs> well, I mean, we could make the your title if instead of Judge Jesse, you can be Baron Jesse. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> I'm That's Graham. I have uh, one. I've got one son, uh, Jeff. Yes, uh, I'm Jeff. I have two daughters, and Dan, who's got the best of all worlds. I've got uh, two daughters and one son. Covering all the bases. Dan has all, all of our life experiences all rolled into one delightful package. So this episode, we're going to be talking about the things that we uh, are looking forward to introducing our children to. Specifically, you know, sort of more sci-fi geeky things. But I think that was going to be uh, the main thrust of our lists anyway. It's kind of uh, the name of the show. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and and. Jeff and Dan have each brought their own top five list. So it's going to be a dueling list with uh, Jesse and I mostly pulling in some commentary here. Um, do we let's do a little bit of background on everyone. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. First things first, we do. We do try to be really inclusive on this podcast. So why don't you explain to the audience what's a kid? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Please. Continue. <laughs> I mean, you guys claim that I have uh, allegedly the, the the most experience uh, to define what a kid. I mean, there's there's a lot of definitions there. Let's go with the legal one, which is any human under the age of eighteen. Are we like, are we going to keep it that open ended? <laughs> uh, you know, is that is that a, a wide enough and an inclusive inclusive enough descriptor? I think an add-on that you have personal responsibility for, oh, yeah. uh, for the context of this episode. <laughs> alleged, alleged, though, alleged. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, we don't want to get the law involved here if we can help it. Uh, so uh, one of the things I want to ask you guys is uh, where you feel you land on like a permissive scale here. Like uh, some of the stuff we're going to be talking about is going to involve harsh language, possible nudity, uh, violence. What? Uh, how do you feel about showing your kids stuff like that? And and at what age do you think you will be willing to introduce them to different levels of that? Yeah, that's a that's an interesting question, and I feel like uh, I'm probably too permissive, especially <laughs> if it's especially if it's something I like. <laughs> but, I hear um, you. But uh yeah, of course we do try to keep things age appropriate for the most part, but um it gets it gets complicated. I will tell you the on my end the manipulation is already in in full effect where, you know, try to limit screen time and stuff like that, but what am I supposed to do when he specifically asks to watch Star Trek? Ooh, that's that's <laughs> 
amazing that you're already <laughs> in that scenario because the like crazy thing about my list, I won't get into the specifics yet, but crazy thing about my list is that I really actually haven't uh, shown my children the things that are on my list yet. They are, I mean, that... it remains aspirational for, for the most part <laughs> at, at this stage because of, of the, of the content that we regularly watch, which is totally so, driven cl by clearly them. you're a much more responsible parent than both Graham and I. <laughs> I just think it, it speaks to the complete lack of control I have over the content we're watching in our home. I think that, I think that's what it's, uh, what it says. Well, I mean, Graham also mentioned screen time limits and all of that obviously went out the window as soon as the pandemic hit. So, right. For and sure. yeah, I'm, I mean, we, we, the thing is we don't have any hard and fast rules about that sort of stuff in, in this house. And so it just seems to be like whenever one of the parents is like, holy God, how much time has gone by? <laughs> we we got to do something else now. And then, and then that's one. And, and you guys are, and it's, you guys are reminding me of, of one of my all time favorite absence of any parental restriction stories, which is that at my third grade birthday party that was just hosted at, at our house. And, and Graham, you might have been there. I, I'm not sure. I can't remember. Uh, it's possible. And, and, and the video my dad chose for us to watch, like the movie we watched as a group of grade three, I think it was like mostly boys, was uh, was True Lies starring Arnold Schwarzenegger? <laughs> with, a Jamie Lee Curtis. With That's a Jamie Lee Curtis striptease <laughs> thrown into the mix. And, and the reason it is etched into my brain forever is... <laughs> I is, can only is, imagine. Is, that. <laughs> just, there's the Jamie Lee Curtis piece, but, but also that my friend Joseph, he self-censored and removed himself from the viewing... <laughs> And said, "My wow. mom, my mom would not let me watch this." And she was, <laughs> he was like the smartest kid. That was like a good choice. Well, good on Joseph, right? I don't know. True Lies is real good. Like <laughs> he missed out, frankly. I, like, I have a feeling to like, go through. If we're going to spend time with you guys comparing like how bad parents you are to each other, that could be that's a spiral that would take <laughs> us a while. Yeah. Uh, so let me try to toss a boat hook here and get us back heading downstream in the right direction. I mean, I guess part of it is what you were exposed to as a kid, but then it's also like we're going to go through these lists and we're going to figure out like what you want to show them and also how and when. I know most of the kids in this equation are what five, four, three around there um so i feel like you're just starting to get to the point where it's like they're learning to read they're retaining information maybe it's a good point to get started well then we're gonna go back and forth um we can uh, we can you know like flip a coin to see who goes first but we'll do five five four four three three etc does anyone want to like you know step forward or should i just you know duck duck goose you well, we, we started talking about inappropriate things, and my number five is not appropriate, so I'll start. <laughs> All right. Uh, number five on my list is uh, Gremlins. <laughs> <laughs> A um, movie that is infamously panned for its violence. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, right, now, here's, here's where I'm going to have to make a... a horrible confession here i've never seen either gremlins movie oh yeah i know when you when you introduce them to your kids I, i'm gonna have to be there too yeah you, you can come 
<laughs> okay, thanks. <laughs> I, I distinctly, I distinctly remember watching it as a as a kid, maybe like eight or nine, and I remember. Uh, be, maybe it just says something about what the kind of wuss kid I was, but like that I was pretty freaked out. I was pretty freaked out by a lot of what was going on during Gremlins. So yeah, people the, die during Gremlins. Like, yes, be clear. Yeah, they do. Um, the first movie is much more of a horror film than the second. The second is definitely more of a a comedy to me. Um, but uh, there there is a reason why I, I picked this, and and that reason is uh, my youngest daughter uh, found a little action figure of um, of gizmo that i had from when i was a kid and has totally fallen in love with it um she calls it she thought it was a monkey at first i had to explain that it was actually you know it's a mogwai um so she calls it <laughs> monkey mogwai um it's currently in her crib i believe with her sleeping because she refuses to go to sleep without it and uh yeah so clearly there's a vested interest here in in, in that franchise and obviously you know, showing it to a two-year-old is not a great idea, so I'll wait until I do feel that it's appropriate. But uh, she definitely knows who Gizmo is. She knows the three rules, you know, no food <laughs> after midnight, don't get them wet, no bright lights. And uh, yeah, we'll go from there. <laughs> and just for, for folks like Graham who were who were deprived of a proper childhood, um, what the, just give us the quick rundown about Gremlins. Just just because if you haven't heard about this one, you got to understand why this is. The audience has to understand why this is such a fun pick. So yeah, the, the, the Mogwai is adorable. They're cute and fluffy, and they well, he's voiced by Howie Mandel, but you don't really need to know that watching the the movie. Um, they're super cute and cuddly uh, until you either get them wet or feed them after midnight, in which case they multiply and then turn into horrific, you know, violent demon things. <laughs> um, the plot was clearly written by a parent, I think, who was just experiencing a really difficult time with their own children. It sounds like, you know, you feed your <laughs> child too late. They don't get enough sleep. You know, they they turn into gremlins to to some extent. So it sounds like it was written by a parent. And uh, you're saying you're going to show when it's appropriate. What like what is that? Is eight or nine enough? See, I I don't know because I definitely saw these films way too early. Um, and and it's yeah, arguable. It okay. Well, that's arguable. I, I <laughs> <laughs> so we'll we'll have to see. I, I'm not sure what the the correct answer to the that is. So. That feels like a really um, tough question that sort of will probably come across uh, on both lists. And that idea of of what is the appropriate age and <laughs> what long-lasting implications will, will showing gremlins to your children at that <laughs> age have. Uh, and, and yeah, I just, I don't know if there's like a set answer here. It's just, I just find that that's a really interesting part of this whole exercise. Yeah, some of this might be, you know, playing a long game, and I'm I'm fine with that. We're obviously invested <laughs> for the long haul, so <laughs> I got yeah, I got yeah. time. <laughs> I uh, along those lines of like when is it appropriate? I I don't know. My dad seemed to have pretty decent judgment on most things, but for some reason he showed me scenes from Terminator Two when I was way too young, and it <laughs> really freaked me out and traumatized I had to be like I had to have lights on every night when I was going to sleep and and it really 
did a number on me and to the point where like my mom refused to let me watch anything even remotely scary for for years and years after so that's probably why i missed out on some stuff but just getting to the idea of like I was going to say, well, you, you just sort of have to know internally, judge how the kid is to, to decide when it's appropriate to show them. But clearly that didn't work for my dad. So I don't know. Maybe there isn't a good answer for, for that. Or maybe the answer is everyone needs to have some sort of traumatic movie viewing experience when they're a child. Maybe <laughs> that's just part of growing up. <laughs> I feel like I was asking you guys for a quick serial answer, and instead, like I, I opened up a deep philosophical <laughs> hole. It's going to keep are, you up late. These are complicated issues. <laughs> I think yeah, we've all agreed that, for sissies. I think we've all agreed that people by by the third grade need to watch True Lies and Gremlins in one sitting. <laughs> probably <laughs> what needs to happen to to end up as well adjusted adults. Uh, well, I mean, I guess that that could be the perfect non. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. That could be the perfect non sequitur into my into my number five. Okay, it is. Um, which is uh, it's it's it centers around another well-adjusted adult. It's Batman, <laughs> the animated series, the the mid '90s uh, animated series that I think everyone in this group probably grew up with to some extent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it would have been when we were sort of like, or like um, maybe pre-teens, I guess. I think with, it um, debuted Mark in Campbell as the Joker. Yeah, yeah, Kevin yeah. Conroy as Batman. I think it debuted in '92. If I '92, yeah, yeah, I remember it around then too. And and what what made me want to add it to my list, and what's why that series has has stayed with me, and I I even sought it out a few years ago as some some nostalgia viewing. Uh, was that uh, that show? I feel like was one of the first uh, cartoons uh, about a superhero that sort of integrated some adult themes and some ethical questions. Maybe I'm really hyperinflating it, but even upon kind of adult viewing, I sort of noticed that and remembered that uh, from that mid '90s series that it was a take on Batman that was that didn't sort of dumb it down for kids. Um, and so when I thought about putting this list together, I knew that I wanted, uh, content that, that had sort of those aspects to it, that those characteristics to it, content that when you showed it to your kids, even if it did have like some intense themes that I still don't know when I'm going to show Batman, the animated series to my kids, um, I liked I liked that it it dealt with sort of the Batman story with a level of seriousness that was more than your average cartoon. I vividly I remember that show and and the X Men cartoon from the same era being like just really smart. They were like, you know, they didn't dumb yeah, like you were saying, they don't dumb things down for kids and. And the X Men yeah. one was a real soap opera with continuing storylines, and, yeah. and that was unusual for Saturday morning cartoons too. I think the Batman one had a couple of two parters as well, if I remember correctly. Yeah, there were a few arcs in there. Yeah, and it and it it dealt with like I'm I'm remembering episodes about artificial intelligence, about sort of like Batman daddy issues, and uh, you know like a variety of a variety of really sort of um, sophisticated themes that I just remember appreciating as a kid. And then when I revisited it as an adult, um, feeling like, oh, this is definitely something 
that I, I could feel, uh, I don't know, pretty good about introducing to my kids that, you know, as a lifelong Batman fan and, uh, you know, it, it just feels like uh, something something that I, I'd be e- eager and excited to share with my kids. I'd say the three main things that it it really introduced to the Batman mythos, not just Saturday morning cartoons, but Renee Montoya as a, a woman, a tough woman police officer and eventually a lesbian woman police officer in, in the comic books. She's a great character that only exists because of the animated series. Harley Quinn and her messed up relationship with Joker. She was created for the animated series and, and their relationship has always been very complicated. And even beyond that, her relationship with poison Ivy comes right out of the animated series. And, uh, one of the most interesting ones is the backstory of Mr. Freeze. Prior to the animated series, he was just a crazy scientist who liked to freeze stuff. But this show gave him all this pathos, whereas his wife is cryogenically frozen and he's gone crazy trying to save her. And, and his really, you know, icy personality is all from the animated series. Everything that defines that character as we know it now came 40, 50 years into his existence. See, I, I remember that that arc um, about about his origin story, that he wasn't just your average sort of everyday supervillain. I remember one one particular episode about this like struggling actor who who's, uh, you know, aged and his, his looks are I'm probably for, you know, this is this may be a recurring <laughs> Batman character that you guys can laugh at me about later for not knowing the name of. But like it's this, this struggling actor. He ultimately like takes some kind of serum that turns him into this freak who, you know, and, and part of the story there is, you know, about aging and about what it means to what is attractive in our society. And, right. uh, and suddenly it goes from like Hollywood celebrity and heartthrob to this freak creature that uh, anyway, it's just like a, so many great stories that I remember from that series. Uh, Clayface. Clayface. There you go. There you go. Voiced by Ron Perlman. Now, of course, you have to worry about, like, you start them in on the Batman animated series, and that feels nice and easy, but, you know, how do you how do you hold back the floodgates before they're getting into some hardcore Nolan stuff, or, or even some of the Clooney <laughs> stuff? <laughs> Clooney. <laughs> the hardcore Batman and Robin Clooney stuff. Um, you it's know what? slippery slope. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I, like, it's... Uh, uh, that that is one of the the parts of these discussions that's that's really um, it's really tricky and and I, I would be tempted to open the floodgates if, especially if they're at the right age um, you know whatever whatever that age uh, whatever whenever we figure that out um, <laughs> I, I'm I'm excited about that process of of kind of opening the floodgates to to some of that that great stuff. The, the easiest gateway drug for Batman is the Adam West series. Uh, I was going to say that, yeah. And I remember <laughs> watching that as a kid. Oh, yeah. I, yeah I, it's it's one of these amazing shows that, that watching it, it ages with you in a way. Like, when I was a kid, I thought it was perf- completely straight-faced and serious. <laughs> and when there was a cliffhanger ending, I was like terrified what was going to happen to batman and robin and i had to tune into the next week and then i reached an age where i was like this show is stupid it's for <laughs> babies they're so dumb in it and then you realize that that's all done intentionally and it takes it to a whole other level where you appreciate the complete intentional absurdity of it 
ah, love that show. And I started showing that to my son earlier in the pandemic and, and he was really into it for a little while. He, he really moves through phases very quickly. <laughs> it's very sad. Nice. Yeah. That, that you're right that that from a, like a, from a appropriateness level, that may be the most appropriate Batman you can show someone, you can show a kid. Yeah. I, and I just uh, thought occurred to me that uh, applies more to you guys than to me is is with like if you're going to introduce something to the older kid, how do you keep the younger kids away from seeing that? Or like, how do you do? You wait until yeah, everyone's until after bedtime, <laughs> <laughs> and then it becomes this like the secret extra attention that you're giving the one kid, not the other. And that's, that creates all sorts of uh, psychological drama. Way to go, Jeff. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 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 two of our, our kids are, are twins. We've got our oldest uh, and, and then we've got two, three-year-old twins. And um, that is, that is a sort of a, a tricky balance because they've definitely like, they still nap. So, like, uh, oftentimes that quality time with the oldest is when they're napping. I'm sure this is thrilling for the audience to hear the intricacies of. Um, and, and and essentially, uh, like, our oldest gets that sort of special bonus time to either watch whatever she wants or, or kind of quality time with us um, while they're napping. And then they'll wake up and they'll just start watching whatever we've been watching. Uh, but, like, at this stage of things, that's, it's like, it's a really you know, pretty lame list of shows where that we're currently cycling. <laughs> okay. Well, it's, uh, I mean, it's going to be, it's, it's, I'm just saying it's strange that that's at number five. I can't wait to hear what's at number four. Uh, you want to take the mic back, Jeff? What do you got? Well, yeah. Um, and again, this speaks to kind of my own um, preferences. Number four for me, just general horror movies. Um, part of this is really selfish. <laughs> Um, like, like just all horror movies to show <laughs> your young children? No, no, no. <laughs> Again, just to have somebody to watch them with because uh, right now I don't. So, um, you know, as the kids get older, hopefully one of the two of them will uh, will uh, be game to uh, to sit and watch with me. I feel like we need to throw in some sad Hulk music under that one. <laughs> just a little. All right. Well, give us some examples. Just real quick. Uh, I've like, thought are, a little what, bit about this, and obviously, you know, you're not going to jump into anything extreme. But you know, once they're old enough, I think something like the original Poltergeist is actually kind of a, a nice family movie. Oh yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> a swimming pool full of corpses at the end. It's, uh, it's perfect. <laughs> I think my mother still refuses to watch that movie, and she's. Uh, I'm just saying you're gonna have to like a long time to wait if there's yeah. a similar. <laughs> Again, I'm I'm playing the long game here. Okay. Yeah. And then uh, and then what else? Like Hereditary? No. See that that that's that's not gonna happen. But uh... that's that's too much. Not like Poltergeist. <laughs> I wonder if somehow for for Jeff, by the way, if it changes anything watching it with your dad, like does somehow the scariness level, you know, change these? Does the intensity level change watching it with your dad? I'll just put that out. I I don't know, and and nobody else growing up, no one in my family, apart from my younger brother, was into horror. So again, I, I just I never had that experience. So I I don't know. It's a good question. And then with horror movies, this is, we're going to get into some real awkward territory here, but horror movies, I guess, again, depending on the intensity, tend to have a, a bit of a sexual angle to it, too. And I don't know, that that adds this whole other weird barrier. Like, I remember being 
very uncomfortable watching any movies with sex or nudity with my parents. At least at first, I think eventually I got over it, but it's, it's going to be weird going the other way too. Yeah, that is a good point. I didn't think of that too much. (laughs) Um, I was thinking more of like, I don't know, the fact that the girls really like Nightmare Before Christmas and just, you know, some of the kind of G-rated cheesy kind of stuff. That's interesting because I wasn't even, I I, I mean, he's, my kid's three and uh, this year, it's the first time where he's really watching movies and, and absorbing what's happening in them. And I was real on the fence about watching Nightmare Before Nightmare. Christmas and we didn't end up doing it. Yeah, we, 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 had to, we ended up turning it off the first time around once we got to the like oogie boogie scenes because those are mm-hmm. kind of creepy. But uh, the last time our eldest sat through it and was fine and really liked it and sings the songs and yeah. They are great so. songs. Mm-hmm. You guys are still talking about Poltergeist, right? The soundtrack, the notable <laughs> soundtrack. Yeah, great songs in Poltergeist. <laughs> I was thinking uh, even sort of lighter horror fare, like uh, some of the Evil Deads still have. Wait, what? <laughs> like, like Evil Dead One is is silly accidentally, and then Evil Dead Two and Three are silly on purpose. Or like and, right, Army of with, Darkness. With exploding out of the cabin like there's so much blood from the exploding corpse that it shoves him out the doorway yeah that's uh, as an adult yeah, yeah, that's he, hilarious he enjoy that right he's no, I'm, I'm sure he's fine <laughs> well yeah i was thinking like that and some of the more intense um violence that happens like when the girl gets taken by the trees is that in in one or two anyway it's like yeah, what about army of darkness I, I don't know. That Army of Darkness is a tough one because it's it's practically just a slapstick comedy. Right? Yeah. So I guess that's more the direction that I was I was heading in with this stuff. Right. Yeah. So definitely not hereditary. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, definitely not anytime soon. Again, this is this is something that's, you know, a long game. And Fair aspirational. Because who knows? They they could very well both hate these horror movies and want nothing to do with them or me so we'll see <laughs> the, the piece i was going to add was like you know they they may have their own tastes either in these genres or other genres that will totally weigh so. <laughs> <laughs> i certainly i certainly aligned with all the same interests and tastes as my eastern <laughs> as my eastern european parents um <laughs> <laughs> who immigrated from the former Soviet Union. We we share the same tastes in all aspects. All right, they Dan, really give like... us an example. What's your number four? <laughs> My number four is uh, Contact, the, uh, the 1997 oh, nice. film uh, starring Jodie Foster. So, uh, so I've got, I've got the two daughters um, that, that, that isn't, the the sole reason that that contact is on the list i want to give us more of a background on the movie before you get too into yeah. the why yeah well i mean it's uh it's it's a, a, a you know based on carl sagan's uh novel by the same name um about uh a, a young you know girl who as, aspires to to become uh a scientist who's who has a interest um 
encouraged by her dad early on uh, to to um, about outer space and life in the universe is like infinitely curious. Um, and then, uh, you know, her her father passes away when she's young, but she continues to pursue sort of her curiosity and interest about about space and the unknown. Uh, eventually, works for SETI, um, the uh, the uh, you know the, the international organization that um, listens to for life in outer space, and and um, and then you know uh, hears a ping from outer space, and they uh, Earth finally receives a signal from extraterrestrial life. And and then she's she's part of the international mission to um, to uh, respond to this signal that comes from outer space. And it's actually the sig- I don't know if I'm going <laughs> to. It's a 1997 <laughs> film, so hopefully people have seen it by now. Uh, and the novel before that, and and she ultimately you know gets in, involved in this huge amazing mission to to build a, a spaceship that that is based on the instructions of, that the extraterrestrials send through. Um, and uh, uh, I have 15 more minutes on the description of the movie <laughs> that I'm going to devote to you guys. Um, uh, with I mean, Cole- we could just like tell the you know the browser reader to read the Wikipedia article, yeah, but I think what you're getting to is the like powerful, driven, self motivated young woman in science. It sounds like that's where you're leaning. That's that's definitely a, a big part of it. But what uh, but what I you know what sort of hammered it home is that I saw this movie. I think around 97, 98, and even obviously before I had children, uh, remember thinking that one, this is a, an amazing story. I, I thought it was a great movie. It was really well done. Um, like really sort of lots of aspects of science fiction that I love uh, from, you know, advanced uh, alien technology to sort of really bigger uh, questions about the meaning of our existence. and. Um, I thought actually, I, I it's another one I rewatched in the last couple of years. I think the special effects hold up, and and then to have like a strong female lead, you know, bringing it back to this list, uh, and the idea of that. Every, so many of the other selections I have are like these sort of stories where with your sort of prototypical male lead. Um, yeah. You know, I I thought that this was a great one to add to the list, and um, just a great movie, and and just uh, another sort of one of these pieces of science fiction where I love the big questions that are being asked and and I, I can't wait to have like the nerdy I'm envisioning this they'll probably reject me and not watch it at all but uh, you know I, I can't wait to have the follow-up conversation with my kids uh, about this movie Dan I think that's a really great pick that's a fantastic movie I agree with everything you just said <laughs> and uh, I would add um, I think arrival would go really well with it I don't yeah. know if you've seen arrival but uh yeah, that's a great. Yeah, one some too. similar themes and really strong female characters, and just just really yeah, movies that make you think. Yeah, I I think the hardest part about this pick is I remember seeing it at so what ninety seven that would be I don't know fourteen or fifteen I, and I definitely didn't see it in theaters. I don't think I think I would have seen it uh, on. Um, VHS or DVD or something like that, but I remember liking it but being vaguely sort of bored by it even at that age and i I think if i were to watch it now i i watched the trailer and a couple of scenes before we started and and it really made me want to sit down and watch it again properly as an adult and and get into it more because i i think the politics there's a lot of religious stuff in there too and i think 
I just wasn't ready for that when I last saw it. And I'd like to see it again with a more fully formed and functional brain. Well, you always, you, you know that I've always been so far and away more advanced than anyone in this group. <laughs> um, can all uh-huh. We've that. always said that. <laughs> it's uh, universally agreed upon. Uh, but I, you know, I, I remember probably watching it at that age. And, and I, I do think there were probably themes that I, I didn't quite get. Um, but, but just remember sort of being intrigued enough to, to go along with it. And, um, I remember liking it then. And then, and, and then again, sort of the, the rewatch in the last couple of, couple of years, uh, reminded me that this movie holds up. Um, and, uh, and, and, as, and I think again, at the right time, there's, there's no chance, I think at, <laughs> over the next like five years that I'll be able to, um, you know, get, get our kids watching this, but, but maybe a little after that, maybe a little after that. Yeah. I guess it depends on, on their interest too. If they are interested in space, it might resonate more than if they're more interested in like baseball or something. That's when you go with the league of their own. Yeah. Which would be a great, a great addition to a, uh, sort of a, a broader list for sure. <laughs> or DS nine, which ties into my next pick. Nice. Nice. Let's hear it. So number do three, we wanna, do we want to go with our usual rules, Jess, and and hold off until it because it may be showing up. Something similar might be showing up on Dan's list. Do you want to hold off and talk about them at the same time? Ah, and in this case, in this case, it's a little complicated, but sure, Jeff. Let's let's hold a reserve on your number three for now. Okay. Um, I feel like this is going to be a long debate anyway for us. I want to make sure we have time for it. Um, so put a pin in that for now. Um, let's jump back to you, Dan. What's your number three? So my number three is um, the Back to the Future movies, um, which, uh, you know, so so this is one that we've come the closest. And, I, and I, I'm happy to, to do the summary. I, if you guys have about 45 <laughs> minutes, uh, I can give you the full summary of the Back to the Future movie. I'm sure we could I'm sure res- nobody's seen between it, the right? four of us, we could do the movie right now. <laughs> <laughs> um and and so I you're right. I, that's not one I need to do the summary of and 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 the this is the one we've come the closest to introducing to our kids. We have this really great um children's illustrated version of the first movie. Uh it, it turned into a book. Um and it's uh, and and our kids love it. Our kids love uh, the car. They love um, the this notion of time travel. They're asking me all kinds of questions uh, about that. And um, and uh, you know, probably from a very simplistic point of view, they're really curious about this idea of the car being struck by lightning. We've read this. We've read this about one hundred and fifty thousand times. And that's amazing. And you don't hate it? <laughs> I don't. I don't hate it because though that this series of movies played such a big role in getting me excited about movies and science fiction, and uh, you know, I, I rewatched those movies one hundred and fifty thousand times. Um, you know, as as a kid, um, particularly the first one. And um, so, so because of my love of this franchise. I'm willing to to go down that road with them. And I also have a very difficult time saying no to my children about really so many different things. It's why they're 
really the ones in control. I'm actually a prisoner in my own <laughs> home right now. Um, so I, uh, I don't think it's just you, Dan. I mean, well, well, with the prisoner and your own home, like that's a whole other thing. But I mean, in terms of your love for these movies, I mean. At look, like we established at the beginning of this episode, I'm not a parent. I, I don't even keep pets. I don't even keep plants. I don't know how to nurture a living thing. <laughs> but if I did, Back to the Future is the first thing we've talked about on these lists so far that I would say, yes, that absolutely. Just that that fun, aspirational, like hilarious, exciting adventure is like something about that excitement, just that's so childhood to me. I would want that to be there. Is that's that's not just me, right, Jeff Graham? You you follow with that, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. What? I don't know that I have the same abiding love for it from childhood that you guys have. Again, it's probably one of those things where I wasn't because of the Terminator experience. I wasn't allowed to see it. <laughs> <until I was laughs> older. Like back then, like twenty five, twenty six. Yeah, yeah, it was a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> I'm catching up on so many things thanks to this pandemic. Jeff, uh, Jeff or Jesse, is there an aspect of of the movies or or the Back to the Future story that really sort of sucked you in? Like, uh, how can it for for me? Like the car, I remember obviously yeah. being like integral to to loving the movie. I mean, it's tricky for me because I've always been a huge dork. But for me, it was the like that was my first real time travel story. And when you like you you do something in the past and then check the photograph in your pocket and see if you've solved the problem yet. (laughs) That blew my mind a hundred times. Like the first time I watched the movie, like I still remember that 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 opened my head to thinking about a child's version of temporal mechanics and the fact that you know, Marty McFly, like this ordinary guy doing it. Look, as much as I love, you know, or your Star Treks and your Star Wars and your you know uniform, the fact it was just some kid trying to do his best made it so identifiable. Yeah. Yeah. Like sure. I wanted to be doing that and I wanted to be thinking about that. Like that, 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 that you know, I'll, I'll, I, I've discovered a lot about myself through that. <laughs> and they're just really fun movies. For sure. And they're really good movies. Yeah. I, I mean, especially the first one. I I'm probably in the minority that I would rank them one, three, and two. But uh oh. the first one is is like far and away the best. That's fair. Yeah, we can all agree the first one for first sure. One but is it's the best. But it's chocolate vanilla and strawberry, right? Like you like chocolate <laughs> better, but there's nothing wrong with the other two. Oh, but God. again, they they do have their they each have some intense scenes in it that that can be hard to watch like the fight yeah, the, with biff at the, the end of the first one is is well, well the first one it opens with the libyans right they're chasing the, yeah. with the machine gun out of right. the van like, i remember yeah. that was pretty intense when i was a kid an interesting note about that illustrated book is <laughs> the libyans have been edited out of the story <laughs> there are no terrorists chasing doc and marty in in for stealing plutonium in this <laughs> version of the story, so I have not received any questions from my children about about that. about Middle Eastern politics. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you haven't well, had have the interesting question. Huh? <laughs> yeah, we don't have to talk about crude stereotypes of Middle Eastern <laughs> individuals. Yeah. I'm glad we don't have to field those questions yet. Yeah, Daddy, what is the role of the West in the Middle East? 
I I have to say, let's let's go on a, a slight tangent here about those books. I've got a few of them too about various things, like those little golden books. Golden books, about, yeah. About I've got some Star Trek ones, and there's a Home Alone one, and uh, there's some Marvel ones, and and I it makes the bedtime experience so much more enjoyable for me. But I also feel. Like when I was a kid, the golden books were like the pokey little puppy and the the <laughs> scruffy, the tugboat and stuff like that. And, oh. and I feel a little guilty that I've dived so headfirst and willingly into this crass commercialism. Oh, those is, books aren't written for, those books aren't written for kids. They're written for us. <laughs> clearly. <laughs> They're little tools of pop cultural indo- indoctrination. And, uh, <laughs> I have, I, I'm like 90% okay with them, but there's always that 10% itch at the back of my head where I'm like, I am doing a bad thing by reading these. I mean, the commercialism is going to hit the kids anyway. Yeah, um, might as well be for things you like, right? Yeah, merchandising, merchandising, merchandising. And uh, speaking of which, is that a good segue, Jeff, into your number two? My number two in that case is, yes, Star Wars. So definitely merchandise to the 10th degree for sure. Um, this one gets complicated because uh, I've had to, you know, you have to think about how you want to expose kids to this. Do we even talk about the prequels? Do we just pretend they never happened? What about the new movies? It's it's complicated. Um, but for me, this this can boil down to the fact that my girls really love droids and and. Again, my youngest is a big R2-D2 fan, um, also a big fan of BB-8 and, and C-3PO. So that's kind of my starting point. I'll obviously start with the original trilogy, um, and uh, we'll go from there and see what happens. I'm, I'm excited for this. I was going to say, I mean, again, I'm not a parent, but obviously production order. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, I, I think for kids, especially at this age with all the, the hyperactive stuff that's on TV, uh, the the prequels are probably the ones that would hold their attention the longest. Oh, I, I just I can't do it. I, I agree. I, I would see on the one hand, I would have said start with the prequels because it'll it'll hook them better. But then you don't want to raise kids who are who are like these weird adults that are around now who think that the prequels are the best version. And I just don't want to take that risk. <laughs> I'm willing to take risks with horror movies, but not with this. This is this one uh, is not negotiable. Things are it's too important. Yeah. No, but I mean, what like what you it, what you want is you want your kids to have the no, I am your father moment. Like it's it's going to be almost impossible because of how that's part of the zeitgeist. But yeah, that- see, and and this that's Jess. That's a really good point. It ties into something a buddy of mine at work who is a diehard Star Wars fan um, and has older kids, and he's actually warned me about this, and um, he kind of exposed his kids to this stuff all throughout their childhood to the point where when they were old enough to actually sit and watch the movies, they had no interest because they had already kind of had the whole thing spoiled for them. Mm. So he, he was kind of telling me to, to slow play it a bit and not, uh, you know, not force it too quickly so that they can actually be able to appreciate the, the films when they're old enough. 
Wow, that's actually really good advice that I hadn't considered because we get tons <laughs> of Star Wars books and yeah, and us too, us too. And my two-year-old can identify, you know, all the droids and and is really happy when she gets to name them. And yeah, there's a she's even at the point where she she um, will ask to watch this little highlight pack of R2D2 moments that I found on <laughs> YouTube, and and she loves it. Hey, man. Dan, you sound awful quiet. I was I was just sort of thinking about whether it would make a difference, you know, for I don't know if for for the the items on your respective lists, even as sort of as you kind of piece them together on the spot, um, whether it matters if you if you come across them organically versus your your parents kind of uh, introducing them to you and like the the whole. Uh, story behind it and, and, you know, sort of various offshoot stories and all the merchandise and, and YouTube videos. I just wonder, I'm looking at my, you know, my own list and how many of these I came across, uh, you know, sort of of my own uh, volition. But I mean, I, my parents must have had some role in, in introducing me to some of these. But, but you know, I, I, for the most part, picture myself as a kid watching these on my own um and and somehow coming upon them or finding them on tv or something like that uh and i just wonder how much of a difference it makes versus you know doing it on your own versus versus the your parents introducing it to you so you're thinking of maybe just like leaving the dvds on a table <laughs> and just and you're letting nature take its course <laughs> dvds <laughs> right right sorry <laughs> What are you streaming bookmarks? I have no idea. <laughs> Again, I'm not a parent. I don't know how to raise a kid. Oh, they're they're very as as you might suspect. They're like so streaming fluent, and, and you know we've we kind of told them to, and we've talked to our kids about sort of previous versions of technology, and it's it's uh, you know it's like those those YouTube videos where the you know uh, Gen Z kids are trying to operate a, a rotary telephone and they, they don't know what to do. They don't know how to press <laughs> the buttons. It's just such a foreign concept to them. Okay. So Jesse is old moving on. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, just to answer uh, Dan's question a bit, like I, I was thinking, I, I <clears throat> your experience is probably the most different from, from the the other three of us where we had parents who were like born and raised here in North America. So, so our cultural touchstones are similar. Like I was introduced to Star Trek and Star Wars and Batman and comic books and all that stuff, mostly by my parents in, in some level, hmm. um, like, like the Batman, they didn't show me the Batman animated series, but we definitely watched the Adam West Batman together and, and reruns. Um, so I, it's you're you're giving me some some food for thought in that question because there are some things yeah. I discovered on my own that I really love, but there are definitely things that were introduced thanks to my parents. Yeah, yeah, I, I it's it's funny because I think the things that I was introduced to culturally from my parents, like North American pop culture, and the things that we 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 mutually liked, weren't really in the science fiction realm. It was like. It was, you know, certain like whatever Tom Hanks movies or something, you know, that uh, that we ended up watching together. Um, but but we're getting off track. So I'll leave my uh, my memory sharing for for an offline conversation. <laughs> <laughs> or next time. Who knows? Right.
Let me let me just get one more thing in on on Star Wars. Another thing where I'm having that ninety percent, ten percent thing. I I don't remember where it was brought to my attention, but there's such a, a uh, commercialization and idolation. Is that the right word of of the villains in Star Wars in a way that there isn't for just about anything else that I can think of? Like you can get full outfits of darth vader of the stormtroopers you can get clothes action figures there's it's it's so easy to get all of the stuff of the bad guys and and i don't know that i want my kid to be (laughs) celebrating fascism yeah (laughs) well that's the whole story of the first order in the sequels right that's why you watch those movies (laughs) so you learn not to idolize these bad guys from the past I'll get them a Kylo Ren and General Hux toy, and then he'll know he'll get the point. I get it. Yeah, okay, good. (laughs) (laughs) These are very complicated issues. All right, well, on the... So we've got a couple of items left each, but you guys share what's left. So what did say we want to do? Jeff, you want to do your number one, um, and then we'll hit Dan's number one, which Jeff covers your number three. Is that decipherable? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no but i know exactly what you meant and i also n- knew going into this that dan and i would have these two things at the top of our lists as well so let's just do it my number one is unsurprisingly to anybody that knows me ghostbusters right and um and my number two was ghostbusters and i have a feeling we just have these sort of uh swapped twos and ones here <laughs> why ghostbusters uh well first of all, i've never seen it it is the greatest <laughs> film of all time. <laughs> so there's that. <laughs> a completely and... rational and reasonable take. <laughs> yeah. No, we, we have established in previous episodes of this podcast, everyone loves Ghostbusters except Grimm. <laughs> and I, I like it. I just don't love it as like you guys do. But anyway, this isn't a Grimm top five. Let's hear what, what uh, you guys why why you want to introduce your kids to it? Yeah, listen to this guy. This isn't a trial. <laughs> <laughs> and if it is, I choose a trial by combat. Uh, no, I mean it, it was just such a, a vital piece of my childhood, and I, I can't wait to share it with with the girls once they're you know old enough to appreciate it and uh, get their take on it. I think of like Ace Ventura. The first Ace Ventura movie was not a movie designed with kids in mind, and yet kids loved it. And it became this the the sequels, and there was an animated series and stuff. They were all more geared towards children than that first one was. The first Ghostbusters movie was not meant for kids. I don't think. Oh, and so yet- true, so true. But Completely all of the stuff, agree, yeah. all of the stuff in there that wasn't meant for kids just went right over my head until I was old enough to get it. So it was like, I you know. Dan, I don't know if you feel the same way. I mean, I, I can, I'll, I'll, I'll certainly agree with Jeff that when I was watching it, I, I, I remember watching it as a four-year-old, and the, you know, uh, the, I'm trying to think of the most egregious thing in the film, like the ghost blowjobs. You know, <laughs> I, they, they were, they, I was not sure what was going on there, other than that there were ghosts, you know, bothering the Ghostbusters while they were yeah. trying to get some sleep. Yeah. Um, and or and they seem to be enjoying it a great deal. Dan Aykroyd in particular. Um, 
and 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 so in terms of though, the <laughs> the resonance and why you'd want to possibly show this film to your kids i mean uh, what what i think uh it uh, keeps it sort of relevant even to this day is is that really great blend sort of that that you don't see very often of of the comedy and the science fiction together um I, I mean, I, I think it's sort of, uh, it's got those two concepts plus a bit of an underdog story thrown in, uh, you know, these, these guys who sort of are essentially rejected, um, by their, the institution that they work for. And then, and then, you know, start, start a successful ghost busting business. It's really what I still aspire to, to this day. <laughs> it's the American uh, <laughs> dream. It's the capitalist angle that you really appreciate. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, and and certainly as a four-year-old, and the, and 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 even you know years later, the 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 technology, the the proton packs, the the you know that 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 part uh, was always you know I always loved that part. The car, oh my god, the car, the time I spent salivating over that car. Um, so so I mean, I just it's it's just a kind of combination of of things that that has it's always sort of held a special place in my heart so there's it's part of it that's sentimental too in wanting to share it with my kids um but but it's also got to be something that i i saw it when i was four but that was because i was not supervised and <laughs> was left to my own devices i'm not showing any four-year-olds ghostbusters no no again we'll wait but like i as a kid i never even with the animated series like i remember watching the animated series but i don't know that i ever saw the appeal of four doughy middle-aged middling guys in brown <laughs> jumpsuits fighting ghosts as like something something that i was into i i liked you know maybe not everyone was as judgmental about body <laughs> figures as you are when they were kids graham <laughs> It's, it's just like that we should talk about <laughs> between that and like GI <laughs> Joe or the X Men. It seemed like a pretty, pretty like there. There was no chance. They, Ghostbusters didn't stand a chance. But that touches on something Dan said. It's it's an underdog story, and everyone loves the underdog. So yeah, that's why I watched the X Men. They were hated and feared and had to protect the world, even though that, that See, was it's, going it's against so them. It's so weird. Like, when I was a kid, I made no distinction between, like, Ghostbusters and Ninja Turtles and X-Men. They were all superheroes. Like, I had toys of I all just, of each. I had the sets for each. I watched the shows for each. Like, they were all these heroic figures. Yeah, I that, didn't see the Ghostbusters story. as heroic, though. Interesting. See, like, I, 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 the world. I agree with Jesse. I never... I never sort of saw them as anything lesser. Obviously, they didn't have superpowers, but I, I frankly didn't care because they had the proton packs in the car. <laughs> I mean, I yeah. think the proton packs beat out like Jubilee, right? <laughs> I disagree. <laughs> well, of course you do, but <laughs> Look, one of them was had the voice of Garfield. Like, there's nothing cool about that. The... Was the animated? I, you know, you're putting the animated. You're mixing this all up. The animated versus the movie. <laughs> the movie is in its own, and even like that sequel. You know, I as a kid, I loved that sequel, but like. You know, as an adult, I, I recognize that they were, you know, in it for the extra cash there. But um, but that's yeah, but when you're a kid, like the guy with the silly accent and the silly hair talking to Vigo, 
Like that's hilarious when and, you're you know a child. They, For they, sure, I loved it. I loved it at, at the march the Statue of Liberty through New York City with a Nintendo controller. Yes. Like, come on, <laughs> come on, Graham. I, you know I, what, Graham. You know what, Graham? If we're wrong, we'll we'll go to jail peacefully, peacefully quietly. quietly. We'll uh, enjoy. We'll enjoy it. What have I done? <laughs> <laughs> but if we're right, I'm going to stop. We'll save Dan and I uh, going line for line of the whole movie for another episode. And yeah, I've been I've been on this too. <laughs> yeah, you guys can start Ghostbusters minute and and uh, just analyze them to death. I'm sure that doesn't already exist. That yeah. that Bill Murray monologue, by the way, my goodness, it will forever Brilliant. be etched in my Brilliant. brain. All right. Well, that means there's one thing left on these lists. Uh, Dan, why don't you take the helm for this one, Bill, to start? Oh. B- uh, huh? Yeah? Uh, <laughs> well, it's going to be a group Captain, effort by the end. Take well, us out of space, Doc. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, I wish I had something ready that I could incorporate, like engage or something. But uh, it's, uh, I mean, that is the operative word because it's Star Trek The Next Generation as my number one. Oh, and that's my number one, like uh, like a certain number one. Anyway, I'm going to stop. Uh, it is, it is. I mean, I know for this group in particular, um, certainly having listened to previous podcasts and just knowing you guys, uh, you know, Star Trek: The Next Generation. Need I say more? Um, such an influential, uh, you know, place in in my own kind of. Uh, and my own sort of upbringing, um, you know, the themes that in in certainly in the in the mid to late seasons uh, of of the show, uh, this weird obsession I have with Captain Picard's casual jacket. I won't even get into that. Um, it's 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 just got a special a special place in my heart and uh, and in my fandom and and that that's one that uh, it, it's. Um, I can't wait. I can't wait to. I know that I know they're going to reject it, but I don't care. I will. This is the one I'm going to force them. This is the one I'm going to end. Seven it. seasons, 178 episodes. Let's go, kid. My legs, uh, I, my legs are atrophying. I don't care. Will you make them watch the? Uh, will you make them watch the Doctor Crusher Ghost episode too? <laughs> uh well i mean if we're going all 178 i guess we we have to, we have to. <laughs> sub rosa uh, 723 i think oh, that episode nice. scared me as a kid it's got a scary dead lady with palpatine lightning <laughs> <laughs> now just to, before we spiral too deep into this i just want to point out like the the reason why there's a, it's a little complicated our dancer on the list here is because jeff on your side you also had star trek but you didn't limit it to next generation and I feel I'm, I'm curious to explore that little distinction there. Oh, did I? I well, there's nothing too dramatic. I just uh, must have sent you an incomplete list uh, <laughs> because when you say Star Trek, you mean next generation. I, by default, in my brain, mean next gen, and um, in this case, also would add DS9 to my list as well. That's a good. Ooh, can you do it. both at the same time, though? I, I don't feel think like DS9 so. DS9 is aged up. Yeah, I don't think so. I think I'd have to start with next gen, but that's totally fine with me. It's and a then, great, great intro to the to the world, to the Federation, to the universe, and we'll we'll take it from there. And then we get halfway through season six, then you start alternating. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, I just for the I've got we've got Star Trek 
stuffed animals like those are some of the first things that my son uh played with and and so he's he's familiar with a lot of the next gen characters and original series characters but when it comes to watching the show the he's more interested in the kirk stuff like we, he's seen a, a little bit of kirk and a little bit of next gen he gets bored with next gen real fast but he will sit and watch entire episodes of the original series and part of the reason i i showed those to him as when i did was it would be like nights when he was i don't know middle of two early three where he just was having a hard time getting to sleep it was either he was sick or something and i figured i'll put on this slow paced 1960s tv show and it'll just knock him out but he would just watch and be like all right let's watch another one let's do another <laughs> and he's <laughs> he, he gets into it he likes i think it's the bright colors or something i don't know and the apple does not fall far from the tree i think so <laughs> yeah. it could be and all kinds of fun child, like, like the kind of things that kids would be into, like the episode where Scotty murders a hooker, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Lots of good lessons there. <laughs> no ghost blowjobs, though, so that's a I mean, that one does have a ghost, kind of. Uh, Rajak, Rajak. Rajak, yeah, yeah. And it's, uh, he, he, he takes over the voice of Piglet. It's all very confusing for a child. <laughs> See, it's interesting. I feel like Next Generation is a tough sell at a certain age. Like, I definitely had that age where, like, Star Wars was cool because it had explosions and laser swords, and Next Generation didn't. I was just going to say something really similar, and um, I remember this is touching on something that we already talked about a bit, but um, my older cousins were... Um, a big influence on me and, and they exposed me to a lot of this stuff including both Star Wars and Star Trek and um, I remember trying to sit and get through some next gen stuff with them but I was too young at the time and I just couldn't I just couldn't do it I had to be a little bit older so and uh, I wish I could remember the exact age that uh, that this happened at but it's it's all a bit fuzzy at this point I, I feel like you're looking at preteens. Yeah, I want to. I want to say like eight, nine, ten, and it it uh, needed to be a little bit older, like maybe eleven, twelve, kind of thing. Yeah, I, I'm thinking twelve too. Dan, yeah. is that sort of jibe with your I, your I mean, history? It, it sounds. Uh, it's it's not my history, but it just sounds like the uh, the way that it would probably happen, like with our kids. Just again, because. <laughs> I, I I just remember watching it super young and even without sort of understanding some of the concepts or or some things that were happening there. Um, just, you know, the sci-fi was enough. The ship was enough. The phasers were enough uh, at the start when I was like six or seven, uh, you know, to sort of lure me oh. in. And then and then I kind of and then I kind of grew into appreciating the the bigger themes and and the bigger questions the show poses. Yeah, I definitely remember watching at least some of it when it was airing because uh, it ended in ninety four, summer of ninety four. So I would have been eight, and I remember taping the final episode on VHS, oh, and watching Same. it like over and over again. And do you so, remember this is a super nostalgic and location specific reference? But in Toronto. In the Sky Dome, they hosted a like forty thousand strong viewing party for that last episode. 
Um, and I remember I was not permitted to go, but I remember it being a thing. I remember, uh, I was like emotional about the show ending in 94 and, uh, and, you know, wanting to see that and then seeing the hype around it as well. I, I just remember that phenomenon. I, I don't remember that, but I do remember the uh, Jonathan Frakes hosted uh, special that aired before the final episode. Oh, I, I also remember had that, that too, yeah. Yeah, I also had that on tape and would watch that often, probably more than I actually watched the final episode. So we would so have been... the big question then, how are you going to recapture that feeling for your kids? <laughs> oh, boy. I mean... Uh, for, for 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 everything on the list, I I don't know if it, it will ever quite recapture. You know, finding for the ones that were found organically or that you kind of stumbled upon. I mean, even TV watching is so different, right? That that notion of whatever's on you're watching and you and and to kind of stumble upon something. Uh, obviously, that's that's different than some of the experiences you guys shared with with your, watching things with your parents. But but everything is, is really curated about the TV watching experience right now. And um, and so our kids, I think the pickiness level is so sky high, too, even at a young, young age, because there's a million options and you don't stumble upon things organically. Um, so so I feel like the introduction to these things will it'll face some barriers. I'm, I'm persistent. I'm going to try. But. It's uh, it's going to be a different experience, certainly than it than it was uh, for me. Let let me do a, like a brief uh, therapy session here, uh, <laughs> sort of reasoning behind some of this. For, as far as I've worked out in my own head, I think when I was a kid, my my mom would watch whatever with me, Polka Dot Door, Sesame Street, whatever. And I just don't have the strongest memories of my dad being an enthusiastic participant in shows like that. But when it came to Star Trek, especially Star Trek The Next Generation, he was way into it. And it made it, it was like a way for us to ha- bond, I guess, or have something that we could could share. Or like, there would be something that I would like that he would like too. So I think that might, play into it and i i can already see stuff like that happening with with my son because like i cannot muster up enthusiasm for another youtube video of weirdly disembodied adults opening surprise bags and and being like oh look another you know toy whose name i don't know i just cannot care about it but he knows that i'll be engaged if we watch a star trek or a batman or something like that so i think there's there's already some element of that creeping into to that relationship which is is probably i don't know more than i should be confessing on a podcast no it sounds it sounds nice it sounds nice (laughs) (laughs) that's that's a sentimental that's as much uh, you know, sentimentality as I'm willing to give you on this, by the way, that sounds nice. That, that sounds good. But I mean, like I, I, it, I can't care about so many of these YouTube things of, of people playing with toys. I'd like, I'd rather watch something well-produced with thought put into it. Like, like one of these cartoons, any of the things on these lists I will watch before I watch willingly another second of Ryan and his family playing with toys. You guys, yeah, that's that's like we. I I I don't know the that specific reference, but certainly can relate to like the really you know 
kid-friendly, kind of somewhat generic content that um, that comes through our household currently. <laughs> and so it's why I kind of got enthusiastic about this idea, <laughs> which <laughs> is that, holy crap, this is something to look forward to, the, the period of time where we uh, are not subjected to Paw Patrol and, yes. uh, and the like. Even if it is very far forward. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, I think that's all uh, been entered into the record. And about 16, 17 years from now, we're going to get to see how it all turned out. Uh, <laughs> I was really hoping I wouldn't be the only one bearing my soul there at the end. I feel kind of... Uh, <laughs> Kind of hung out to dry. Huh. <laughs> did did you guys want to add anything touching and personal to the end of the show? Uh, just wondering if we should start a, a joint GoFundMe for the therapy sessions that uh, we're going to, you know, our our <laughs> children will collectively <laughs> need after they are forced to watch all this stuff that we just uh, again we we spend time on the show with with you three constantly undermining your parenting skills we're (laughs) gonna be here for a while um i will tell you that from an outside perspective i can tell you you all seem like you're doing great your kids aren't setting fire to squirrels or eating anything they shouldn't it like i think you can all breathe easy it seems like you're doing fine (laughs) quick someone knock on wood okay i'm on it i'm on it (laughs) Jeff, Dad, thanks so much for joining us on the show. That was adorable and a blast. And uh, I hope it works out for you guys. (laughs) (laughs) Good luck to you. Good luck to you. I'm going to go back to my life now. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's nice and quiet over here. I can go to bed when I want. You know, it's one of those things. Jesse, you can watch any of this whenever you want. I just want (laughs) that to be very clear. I'm super jealous. Yeah. With no need to wait 13 years. Pros and cons, pros and cons. Uh, thanks for coming on the show, guys. And Graham, you know, you too. I'm sure it's going to be fine. No <laughs> okay, great. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> While we're giving out thanks, I just want to slide in, of course, to mention uh, the guy behind our theme song, Jamie Reum. Uh, Reum is spelled R-E-A-U-M-E. Uh, you can find him on Jamie underscore Reum or Jamie Reum official on Instagram and YouTube, respectively. And also want to express special thanks to you, the audience. Uh, It's because of you that we can lure our friends to come in on the air to bear their soul to thousands of strangers um, about their parental insecurities and their hopes for the future. Um, This was a lot of fun. And you know what? There's a lot of different opinions, different ways to do these things. Maybe you've got some suggestions. Maybe you've got some of your own stories you'd like to share or some of the things that you're going to be trying with your kids. Uh, We'd be happy to hear them and maybe get some of them on the show. Graham, how can they get that kind of stuff to us? Please email us at geektop5 at gmail.com. We're on Facebook, facebook.com slash geektop5. And we're on Twitter at geektop5. It uh, usually we talk about the things you can do to, to fill a week and uh, raising a kid is going to take a little bit longer than that. Um, but if you've got them, it'll at least keep you busy for the foreseeable future. So you don't have to worry about penciling in your schedule um, until we talk to you again. I'm Jesse. I'm Graham. And this has been Geek Top 5. We'll talk to you again next week.